meeting. Today's date is March 12th, 2023. We are reading from the big book, pages on page 28, starting the paragraph that says, we in turn, and we're reading up through to the end of the chapter. Today, our reader of the text will be Tammy, and then we'll have a follow-up 20-minute share by Gail. So after we read, uh, we will introduce the speaker. Okay, so Tammy, if you could please do our reading for us. Sure, I'm Tammy, compulsory reader and food addict. We in turn, we in our turn sought the escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given us, or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. The distinguished American psychologist William James, in his book, Varieties of Religious Experience, indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means nothing at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed, or color, are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find here nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. We think it no concern of ours what religious bodies our members identify themselves with as individuals. This should be an entirely personal affair, which each one decides for himself in the light of past associations or his present choice. Not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us favor such memberships. In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism as we understand it. Then a chapter addressed to the agnostic. Many who once were in this class are, among our, are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. Further on, clear-cut directions are given, showing how we recovered. These are followed by 42 personal experiences. Each individual in the personal stories describes in his own language and from his own viewpoint the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and a clear-cut idea of what has actually happened in their lives. We hope that no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages. And we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problem that, thy, that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them. I must have this thing. Thank you, Tammy. Gail, would you like uh, me to give you a reminder at time or anything? Or are you timing yourself? Uh, yes, if you could give me, a, a, tell me when I'm five minutes in, Will 10 do. minutes in, and then 15. Oh, okay. So, is it 20? So every five minutes, just. Okay, every five? Yeah. Yes, ma'am. We'll try to do that. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> I'm nervous, and that's. Um, 
a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to be nervous, to feel it. <laughs> and uh, not think that there's something wrong with me or there's a problem that needs to be fixed. You know, it's, uh, I love these rooms. I call this, uh, uh, when I talk to my sponsees and we Zoom, we say, this is a come as you are party. Uh, and I'm grateful to be uh, at the party today. I'm Gail, a recovered, grateful, 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 recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, and along my recovery journey, I've been relieved of uh, bulimia, uh, anorexia, laxative abuse, uh, restricting, uh, body dysmorphia, uh, you, you, uh, and, and morbid obesity. Uh, I like to think of the compulsive reading as a spectrum, and I have been pretty much all over the spectrum uh, in terms of the manifestations of the disease. So today I'm asked to uh, make some comments about this particular passage that, that was just read. And I'm gonna start with uh, my story or qualification because it says here that each individual in, their, in the personal stories describing his own language and from his own point of view, the way he establishes relationship with God. And so I'm going to tell you, tell you a bit of my story um, that includes uh, establishing a relationship with God. I came to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting in 1978. I was in my early 30s. I haven't done exactly the math, but in my early 30s, I was uh, uh, in a 10-year marriage that was uh, floundering. I had two children, and I was—I uh, had been uh, bulimic, increasingly worse for the last fifteen years, and my life was pretty much um, vomiting all day long, and eating grocery bags full of food and cook—you know—fixing food, eating, and throwing it up. And uh, as you can imagine, that plays havoc on the body and the mind. Um, and so my husband, I was living, we were living in Wisconsin and my husband uh, called my mom in Los Angeles and said, you know, I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, I, I was literally falling apart. And uh, she said, well, send her home, you know, send her here and I'll, I'll take the time. He was, he was busy working, didn't have time to sort of deal with me. Long story short, my, I flew, they flew me home. And uh, within a day or two of arriving in LA, and I won't go down the whole story, I've, OA and I found each other. It, it, that, that in itself is a miracle. And here I thought I was somebody that was ready to maybe be, even maybe committed or uh, admitted to the hospital for you know, depression, insanity, you name it. And I walked into these rooms and I found out that I wasn't alone. I had never, um, I didn't know about in those days, we didn't know much about bulimia. That was not even a real big word in the, in the, in the lexicon. Uh, and I literally thought I was the only one that was doing that. I'd never, I had never discussed it with a single human being in all of those years. I had not mentioned it to a single person, not even my husband that I'd been married to for 10 years. Uh, I did it. I was a closet, uh, everything that I did regarding food. It was, I did it in the closet. I did it behind closed doors. I hid everything and never spoke about it. So that was the beginning of 
<laughs> my recovery journey, that's what I like to call it today. Um, backtrack just a little bit. Growing up, I don't, I was not morbidly obese. I was more on the, they used to call it, you know what, plump. They used to call it plump back in the day on the plump side. And uh, I had, you know, certain humiliations, you know, kids chasing me home from school saying, Gail, Gail, the big fat whale. And I remember my father at about eight or nine offering me a dollar a pound, which was like, that's like a million dollars to an eight-year-old in those days, uh, if I would lose weight. And I remember being so hurt by that because I didn't know that something, I interpreted it that something was wrong with me. That, that's what I heard. And he having had his own weight issues, I was trying to, you know, prevent his daughter who, who was maybe going through puberty, looked like maybe she might be someone to put on weight. Uh, so I realize now that that's not what he was saying. Thank you. But I heard, that's what I heard. Something's wrong with you. And uh, kind of that, that wormhole got in there, that little seed got in there. And uh, I just was off and running with it. So at about 15, I went on my very first diet. And uh, that was, I likened that to uh, an alcoholic at 15, taking their first drink or tasting their first beer. And going on that diet, I lost uh, about 20 pounds. It was one of those, there was the all meat, Stillman, like the keto now was Stillman Atkins back in the day. Went on that, lost 20 pounds. I was very, very lean and thin when I lost those 20 pounds. So I was not morbidly obese, but I was really thin. But going on that first diet, I made the connection. And I got a lot of attention, like, oh, my God, Gail, look at you. You look so nice. You look so good, yada, yada, yada. I connected the dots to think that thin was well. And I, that was, when we talk about a God, that was the God uh, that I worshipped, the thin body. And so <clears throat> even the bulimia was an attempt to control my body. And I controlled my body with food. Uh, I used food to control my body. That's how I used food. Um, so anyway, from 1978 until literally March 13th of 2022, I was off and running in pursuit of the thin body. And I did that in and out of the OA rooms. I like to say in and out, but I was never really out of the rooms, but I would come in get the food plan, because in those days they would prescribe one, follow the food plan, lose the weight. And I, then it was to me and I heard it, I heard steps 10, 11, and 12 was like maintenance steps. And maintenance to me in diet terminology is to, to maintain your weight. So once again, I would get in, lose the weight, and then I knew I had to maintain it. And it was all uh, still all about me being in control of everything. And I would lose the weight. My life starts coming back together. Things are working. I'm off and running. And I did, you know, the relapse player. Thank you, God, very much. I've got it now. Uh, that, was, that was my dance. And uh, I did that over and over in the program. And I was driven by shame. I was very ashamed of uh, my body, size, and shape. And, of course, the trajectory is like this. Once the bulimia stopped, and that's one of the reasons I'm alive today was that the bulimia was relieved from this program. My weight was going up and down, up and down, but the trajectory was up. And uh, the last time I 
so I would, <laughs> I would fall away from the program. The weight would start to come back on. And I was too ashamed to come back into the rooms because in those days you had to, you walked in in person, right? Now we do it from like the waist up. And I was too ashamed to walk back in having gained weight. So I would go on a diet outside the rooms and then come back to OA after I'd lost enough weight to feel like I was acceptable to come back in the rooms. Just insanity. I mean, that's all we can say now. Um, uh, so here's the bottom line. And then I want to get to the good stuff, which is the big book. Over those 40 some years, my recovery journey began and I had spiritual awakenings. I had, uh, you know, like I said, the bulimia was removed, different things were getting better, but the disease had not been arrested. So while my spiritual awareness was going up, uh, I, I uh, sought many uh, treatments for the disease. So when I would go out of the program, I would usually be chasing something glittery over here, another religion, a, a, a spiritual retreat, uh, an Indian sweat, sweat lodge, uh, a course in miracles, all of the wonderful things that are out there. I tried every diet as, as well, trying to fix me what was wrong with me. Food was not fun. I was either, when I was eating, I was either eating on a diet and wishing I could have what I couldn't have, or I was eating off a diet and feeling miserable because I knew all the pain and suffering that comes when I'm not on the diet. So I had no idea what the middle ground, it was an all or nothing for me. So over the years, eating in itself was a torture for me. I had long, long, long along the way lost the, any pleasure that I was consciously getting out of it. I understand now that I was relieving, excellent, thank you, uh, relieving uh, stress and all of that sort of thing. But at the time I just knew I couldn't control my food, my body and I couldn't control my food. So I wanna get into this page 28 to the end of this chapter. On March 13th, tomorrow of 2022, after all those years of in and out, success, not success, abstinence, my longest period was about three years of abstinence. I had released, lost 100, 100 pounds twice in the program and gained it all back and more. I was literally at the highest weight I had ever been. I was, uh, I had had, I was uh, in heart failure. I had heart stuff going on, pacemaker put in, six stints in my heart. And I'm lying in the bed, binging on macaroni and cheese. Even sugar had been removed. Oh, I forgot to add that. That had been removed along the journey. And I'm still binging my brains out on fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, things that are just the worst thing if you have clogged arteries. And I couldn't stop. And so that's when I'm going to get back to this book. It says, we sought in turn the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. And I was literally dying. I was literally eating myself to death in my bed. My world had become very small. Uh, I always say Bill's story is like a horror story with a happy ending. And so I don't want to go into all my story because it's like a horror story with a, with a happy ending. But, uh, uh, and it's not to say good things didn't happen, but a lot of, there were a lot of very serious consequences as a result of my having the disease of compulsive overeating. So on that day, on March 13th, I was getting, I got up that morning 
and I was getting ready to put in the the DoorDash app again, that's where you like order food delivered to you. Cause for about a month I had been in my house, in my bed, I would get DoorDash, go to the bathroom, lay in the bed, eat and watch TV. And I went back and looked and I spent like 800 and something dollars on DoorDash food that month. Um, and I, and every night, every night I would delete that DoorDash app. I am not going to order any more food. I'm going to get on a diet today. This is the day it's going to happen. And there I was on March 13th, putting the DoorDash app in again. And, you know, they say it takes what it takes. But on that day, I had a clarity like I've never had before. And it said, you know what, Gail? Uh, well, I didn't say that. I just, I, I knew, I, I said, I heard I can't stop. And it was just, it was just so clear that I had come to the end of me, of Gail, trying to fix and solve this problem. And it was the shocking <laughs> moment. And at the same time, it was the best moment of all my years in and out of the program, because I, for the first time in my life, I felt like I knew who I was. I was always trying to be like you and trying to be like her and be thin like her and be this like this and have this person's life and have this and have that. And I was like, there's a little children's book that says, are you my mother? And this little, little animal goes around to all the little animals trying to say, are you my mother? Are you my mother? And I was like that, you know, am I, am I like that? I want to be like that person or I want to be like this person. And that day I thought, oh my God, I knew who I was. It was just, I can't even put it into words, but it was the most revelatory moment. And I remember looking out the window and there weren't people out the window. There was you know, no one there, but I, I sort of envisioned people eating ice cream cones and candy and whatever, whatever. And I looked and I just thought, I was so happy for them. I always used to be jealous and angry and mad that I couldn't have what other people were having. And my thought was, but I'm even happier to know that that's not, that, that's not my food. That clarity, uh, I just thought, oh my God, I know who I am. I know that's not for me. It was, it was absolutely fabulous. And what also came with that, uh, it says, um, we were drowning men. And what seemed at first a flimsy reed proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. Well, that flimsy reed for me was my sponsor. Because that was the other thing that was clear to me that all my life I've been trying to get control of this disease, of this food addiction, my body, to find myself face, face down in the food at, at, at the highest weight I've ever been. I was very clear that I needed help and that I couldn't do it on my own. So I made a decision that day that I was gonna you know, get back in OA, call a, get a sponsor, and just follow the directions because, and I said, if, if it doesn't work out, if the fire, the sponsor, sponsor fires me or it doesn't work, I'll just get another one. And I'm just going to keep going because I know I, I, I know I had come to the end of me. There was no door number two. The book of Gail was closed as far as uh, eating issues and things were concerned. And it was just such a relief. I can't really put it into words, but that's the hardest thing. Uh, it says in here, There's a whole chapter addressed to agnostics. And in preparing for this today, I looked up the word agnostic again, and it says one who's not committed. 
because I used to think both, well, I kind of believe in God and I sort of don't believe in God. But it's, uh, oh, wow, thank you. But it's more than that. It's about um, being committed to something. And I would commit to the program and I would commit to God or whatever. But if after two weeks I hadn't lost enough weight, I'd just throw it over and I'd not be on looking for the next thing that's going to make me lose weight faster, harder, better, more. And so um, this whole part about, um, so let, let me just pause for one minute because I want to close and I want to be clear about what happened in this past year. When I came back into the rooms, the first thing I did was the set aside prayer. And I asked to set aside everything I thought I knew about the program of, of OA, the 12 steps. And I even set aside everything I thought I knew about a God or God. And I love the fact that we don't even need God until step three. It doesn't even come up. <laughs> so I went through steps one and two in full surrender, no God, not knowing what God is or isn't. I just went for the power that they were talking about. It says we were powerless over food and our, we need power. So I just went with that. Um, that. That's my story. I just went with something that I didn't understand at all. And I followed my sponsor's directions and everything she asked me to do, I would just ask the higher power to help me with it or do it for me, literally. And sometimes she, but I would come up and I'd say, well, you know, my, I was very tortured about, I had just recently, a son had passed and I was estranged from my other son. And I was really worried about those things. And she said, oh, just take it to God. And I was like, what, what does that mean? But I would just look up at the air and I would just say, okay, higher power, take it. She said, you're on step one now. That was the other thing, staying on the step I was on at the time. So I got a really good experience of powerlessness. It says, our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see in these pages. We believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems. So this time around, uh, the recovery that, that I experienced today that is miraculous. Um, can you imagine? When, when Kim asked me to speak, I think about three months ago or so, I said yes with the, every confidence that I would be here today, abstinent and speaking, and here I am. My world had gotten so small because I couldn't trust myself to show up for commitments because I didn't know if I'd be off on a binge or not, or too fat or not, not be able to fit in some clothes or not. And here I am. I mean, little things like that for me are just delicious today. They're just, they're, they're just I'm in awe that I'm, that I'm, at, that I'm even here. But it also said fully disclose ourselves and our problems. So the, for the first time in my life, I, one of my abstaining uh, alcoholic behaviors was uh, lying to my sponsor. So this time around, I said, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, what I'm, I have nothing to lose. If my sponsor fires me because I did something wrong or whatever, which was a little bit of thing in my head, I'll just get another one, keep on going, <laughs> you know? And I, I was honest with my sponsor and I have the same sponsor uh, that I had when I came back uh, and, and shout out to sponsors. So newcomers, um, yes, I'm one of them. I must have this thing. Uh, I'm one of them. I'm one of the people who is powerless over food 
I have an allergy of the body that when I ingest certain alcoholic uh, foods, I break out in a phenomenon of craving. I don't want just more of what I'm eating. I just want more food. I always experience it as hunger. And I have a twist of the mind that two weeks after I'm abstinent, I forget why I'm here. Uh, a year now, I can't even relate to that woman that was in the bed dying. I am down um, almost 70 pounds. Uh, I'm off all medications. I take an aspirin three times a week. And my doctors are in awe for someone my age to be having this regeneration of physical body. But I have had an entire regeneration of my heart, my mind. Um, I, I, I do not have body dysmorphia. It has fallen away. I'm not afraid of food. It has fallen away. It says that, you know, in six and seven, that we ask God to remove the things that are standing in the way, right? And I humbly did that. And all of these things over this year are just falling away, falling away. I'm not doing anything harder, better, faster, more. I do my daily disciplines, which is a very small thing. <laughs> and my higher power does all the heavy lifting. I always thought life was hard. And it was because I was doing all the heavy lifting. And when I'm carrying it all on my shoulders, it's really hard. And it says in here, I guess maybe I'm going to sort of begin to wrap up with this. I always said to myself, you know, I don't know how to live life. I don't. I, I, you know, I would ask, how do, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I would read books and watch TV and look at movies and read about the movie stars and what were they doing in their lives, trying to figure out how to do life. And right here it says, a new life has been given us, or if you prefer, wait for it, a design for living. Okay, and then over here it says even something about clear cut directions. <laughs> Okay, it's not the Bible, it's an instruction book. This is for me, this has proven to be the, the, the holy grail, the thing that I've been looking for my whole life. How the heck do I manage and navigate this world that I just found myself dropped into? I mean, we're just born and here we are, right? It's like, <laughs> so for me, this is the bottom line. Uh, this is, these are the clear cut directions. When I follow them, they work. It's an action program. Well, they, you, I hear it all the time. It's not for those who want it. It's not for those who wish it. It's for those who do it. Every time I've done what I've been asked to do, it's a results-oriented program. I've gotten the results that are promised here. Okay. It 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 says no matter what race, creed, or color, um, we are children of a living Creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms. I'm not here today, a year in recovery a year recovered to say, I know I've got God and I know what it is. I, I think it's a lifelong journey. I think that in some cultures, they, they call death like when we, we come to the understanding. So as I'm moving toward that on that journey, which is a whole nother thing, uh, I, I'll, I guess one day maybe I will know, but you know what this program has, uh, what I've gotten from recovery is I don't have to know. I can't even believe those words are coming out of my mouth. I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know everything about God. That's what I call my higher power today. More will be revealed or not. 
But what I do know is that trusting, just like people say gravity or aerodynamics, you know, the, 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 there's a power in this earthly world I find myself in. I call it spiritual dynamics, you know, that this book explains how to, how to, how to use that, how to harness that power. And so there's a power working in and through me today, literally doing for me what I never was able to and never will be able to do for myself. So it's, it's a, I'm, in, I'm in, in alignment. You know, when I follow my food plan every day, I'm in alignment. Things are congruent. I'm not living one life over here and another life behind closed doors. What you see today is what you get. I, I pray that I'm saying something that will be meaningful to someone. Um, but I had to remember all I have to offer you is, is me. <laughs> Ooh. And that's it. That, see, for that to be enough, you know, for a compulsive overeater to use a word like enough. For me to be enough. I guess I'm going to just stop there. I, I don't have to be like, I don't have to fill up all the space all the time. But uh, I, is that it? <laughs> I just want to say thank you for this opportunity to share my heart and soul with you. Uh, if you can hear or feel anything, it's never too late. It's never too late to live a life happy, joyous, and free. And if you would commit to this program, of recovery, recovery can be your reality as well. Thank you for letting me share.